Hello and welcome to the Marysville Journal Tribune podcast. My name is Michael Williamson and I'm here today with Tim Miller, sports editor of the Journal Tribune. Chad Williamson, managing editor of the Journal Tribune. Alexi Pavlov, sports editor for the Richwood Gazette. Bob Putman, sports writer, Marysville Journal Tribune. All right, so we're continuing the football conversation, kind of a mixed bag this week of stuff, uh, some wins and some losses as we're kind of a few games into the season. So where do you guys want to begin? We're going to start with Marysville beating Reynoldsburg last week. Marysville's now 2-1 and one on the season. Chad, what were your thoughts on uh, the game? You know, well, for, let me start off. I'm probably going to cough a couple of times before this as this thing goes along. Uh, I will tell you all, I did take a COVID test, though, and it was negative. So, you know, I'm just going to give you something else. It's not going to be COVID. What you saw out of Reynoldsburg was a lot more athletic team than maybe Lancaster was, and maybe not, but not quite as bruising as what New Albany was. Um, Reynoldsburg was dangerous. I think Marysville could see that. I think the coaching staff knew it before the game, and the and the team could see it. Um, pretty much right off the bat, you know, Marysville, the nice thing that happened in this game was that against New Albany, Marysville was never really in the game. Against Lancaster, Lancaster was never in the game. What the Reynoldsburg game showed is that Marysville could face some adversity, could face an athletic team, and still find ways to overcome that and, and get the job done. You know, Marysville comes out in the first, I think the third play from scrimmage and fumbled the ball and turned around and let Reynoldsburg their quarterback scrambled on fourth down and ran one up the sidelines and ran in. He was a really, really good athlete. You know, uh, a little questionable in his decision-making on passes, but but great feet, and he could throw the ball if he had time. So so they're up 7-0 seven, seven immediately. Um, and, and that's the way the score went in the second quarter. But in the second quarter – Marysville really started to right the ship. They got a they got a nine yard touchdown pass to Colton Powers from from Brady Seeger, um, and then later in the quarter, Seeger threw a bomb, a six yard bomb over the top of the defense to uh, Griffin Johnson, which is nice to see. I mean, anybody that follows Marysville knows that sixty yard touchdown passes don't happen very often, and let alone having two in one quarter. Um, and then from there, though, they missed the point. So they took the lead, 13-7, missed the extra point. The extra point got blocked. So you have a mistake in the kicking game. They turn around in the ensuing kickoff and let Reynoldsburg return it in 92 yards for a touchdown. So they're right back, you know, in a losing situation. But from there then, you know, so that's two kind of bad situations. You fumble and let them score to start the game. You know, you mess up something in the kicking game when you have some momentum. But Marysville then turned right around and marched for like five minutes and scored, you know, near the end, right near the end of the half and took the lead back. Now, the, four, the third quarter was scoreless, but was one of the most horrible quarters of football I've ever seen in my life. And perhaps the longest where there was no scoring. It was maybe – it was between 30 and 40 minutes long. It was nonstop penalties. There were a couple of injuries, and it was just a horrible quarter. They go into <laughs> it was just a horrible quarter. They I go was into in the, the fourth, middle of the third quarter by my game by that time. You know, they go into the fourth, and and Griffin Johnson scores on another one yard run. Um, then I talk about the decision making from uh, the Raiders quarterback. He had a monarch hanging on his leg. Tried kind of a behind the back shovel pass to. He saw a flash of it, one of his own jerseys, and it turned out to be the number 77 
So he he hit this big old bellied lineman right in the gut with the ball, which is illegal touching. Except then the lineman batted the ball up in the air a little bit because he was surprised. And one of Marysville's guys, uh, Foltz, what was his first name? Vannon Foltz. He grabbed he grabbed it, went forty four yards for a for a pick six off of the big belly, uh, big target. The, the big the big belly, big target. Uh, bounce back touchdown mm-hmm. interception. Um, Reynoldsburg scored late, and but it was it was too little, too late. Uh, Marysville was back, you know, with their running game. The line the line looked good again. Um, really wore Reynoldsburg down. I think on both sides of the ball, offensive and defense, they were better conditioned and really wore them down. You could see that in the later quarters. Um, you know, they ran for I think 230 yards, 18 first downs. Colton Powers had almost 100 at 98 yards. But but Brady Seeger was the big the big turning point in in the game. Um, he was he was four for eight for ninety three yards. You know, sixty of those coming on the touchdown pass to uh, to Griffin. But in the third quarter, he also threw a nearly identical pass to uh, Nasir Smith that that you know one of those over the shoulder catches that's that's really difficult and it and it kind of hit him in the hands and bounced out. He had six, seven, eight yards on the on the deepest defender Nasir Smith did. So, and that was going to be a fifty plus yard touchdown if he can hang on to that. So, you know, his stat line easily could have been five for eight, three touchdowns, 150 yards. And for a Marysville quarterback, that's what you want. You know, few attempts, high percentage. You know, when you, when you look at what Seeger did this week, he completed four passes, but he threw a one-yarder to Griffin Johnson, and the other three were all meaningful balls. Touchdown to Colton Powers, touchdown to Griffin Johnson. But then the fourth ball he completed was after Nasir Smith's drop that was going to be a touch that could have been a touchdown. It made him third and ten. And he turns around and completes a 20, I think a 23-yard uh kind of screen pass to Drew Fraker that moved the chains, and that was a scoring drive. That kept him going. So, you know, he turns around and he has kind of this big play kind of dropped. Little adversity, he responds by they call his number again. He completes the pass and they move the sticks. That's that's nice to see. That's what Marysville needs to keep that running game moving forward. Now, also let me just say, I, I can't talk about that game without talking about the penalties. <laughs> I, it, it was the most absurd thing I've ever. The entire game, twenty three accepted penalties. Oh my goodness. 23. Now, listen, accepted penalties. Accepted them. Accepted penalties. There were a couple of situations where they were offsetting. There were several situations where they weren't accepted, where the penalties weren't taken. And they came at, there was one time when Reynoldsburg had three straight holding calls. There were several times where there were back to back offsides calls. There was a touchdown wiped off the board for Marysville on an offensive face mask on the stiff arm. Marysville ended up coming back and scoring on that drive, so it, so it negated itself. They called targeting on Marysville on a fumbled ball where kind of Marysville was going after the ball. It, so I think it's easy to say there were probably 30 or more total penalties in that game. Reynoldsburg got flagged for 110 yards. Marysville was over 50. I mean, it, the game was so slow. The game was so – Disjointed. My God. Every – you know – I just got the feeling with the fans, instead of watching a play, a big play go downfield, they immediately, before the guy ever scored 
the t- a touchdown would look back to see if there was anything on the ground because there were so many. I mean, it's so hard to get into a flow for a team when it's just nonstop penalties and forward and back step, forward and step forward and terrible. steps back. But, you know, I thought Marysville did a good job of, you know, penalties are adversity too, and, and they you have to overcome those sometimes. You know, they won the turnover battle. They had three interceptions and a fumble. They took those away, whereas they only committed, I think, the one fumble. So – you know, they got down a couple times. They got behind the sticks a couple times. They had a couple unfortunate, you know, a drop or whatever and overcame that. So, you know, I think they grew up a little bit. And I think Seeger um, showed some progression. And, and I think that's going to be important as they go into a big game this week against uh, Hilliard Bradley, who's who's 3-0. Uh, well, you know, what Seeger did the other night just gives every other team that's on Marysville's schedule a little bit of something else to think about. Yeah, I've talked to Brent the last two or three preseasons, and he said that he he wanted to get to the point where Marysville can put the ball in the air 15 times a game. Marysville doesn't need to put the ball in the air 15 times a game. What what Brady did this past week is exactly what Marysville needs. Meaningful throws. Meaningful throws. Just keep the defense on us and makes it easier for Marysville's ground game to get going. Speaking of their ground game, um, they got some depth back when Matt Kratowskis got yeah. returned from a, a back injury that he suffered during the baseball summer baseball season. That's just going to give them an extra option in the backfield. Uh, the the game coming up against Hillier Bradley is going to be one, I think, in the lines. Bradley's... Uh, which is coached by Mike Laparo, who used to be North Union's oh, head coach. Um, they run a spread offense, but it's not like they're going to throw the ball 50, 60 times. It might be good for Marysville. Uh, Brent told me that uh, even though they're in the spread, they like to uh, even it out between the run and the pass. The thing that is striking about Bradley is their offensive line is huge. Mm. They got a couple tackles who stand 6'5 and probably go 270, 280 range. So it's – and not, they they like to slug it out. That's not good. Mar- Marysville's defensive line is definitely playing better since the new Albany game, but uh, they're not exactly imposing their will. They're getting pressure at times and they're doing yeah. some of the right things, but, you know – well, it sounds like Bradley's offensive line wants to turn this into a Pier 6 brawl and yeah. see if they can slug it out. And Brent said they're going to have uh, to match up as well as they can physically against. They'll probably have to stunt. I would guess they would have to stunt a lot. I a would, lot of slanting, a lot of, a lot of, of angles lot of, and things yeah. like that. And, and the DBs are going to have to be physical against Bradley's receivers. But he's he's – Thinking that uh, the defense is getting much better, uh, they've got to get the, the line's going to have to get off the ball quickly and, and get some of those angles against that big offensive mm-hmm. line. They're going to have to make piles. Yeah, man. And uh, Bradley's going to show Marysville a fifty defensive front because they want to stop that pass uh, running game, which. Maybe they'll won't do that as much after looking at the film of what Brady accomplished against. It's, all, it's always nice if you can back the linebackers up a little bit and it, keep the DBs from looking into the backfield. If, yeah, 
you know, put a little fear in them at least. Yeah, keep lessen some of that pressure against the running game. But uh, Brent said the 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 biggest thing about Friday's game is Marysville's got to keep the ball. Mm. He used a basketball term on me term when I talked to him on Sunday. He says we're going to have to hog the ball <coughs> on, on offense. We've got to keep moving the chains and finishing drives and limit basically Bradley's offensive touches. He says if we can do that, uh, we we could be in pretty good shape. What he is like the most is he says, you know, we've got three games in the books already. He says a lot of these younger guys are getting used to playing under the lights on Friday. Some of them played Saturday mornings last year as mm-hmm. as a JV. But he said they're also becoming accustomed to the speed of a varsity yeah. game, which is so much faster. Reynoldsburg, than JV. Reynoldsburg really wanted to make that game Friday night kind of a personal thing. Like there were some, I don't want to call them cheap. There were big emotional swings and emotional plays and hits and things. There was some talking going back and forth. And it, I told uh, Brent, it would have been real easy to get swept up in that. And play that emotional game as opposed to just being workmanlike. And I thought Marysville did a good job of staying out of that, you know, playing on just pure emotion as opposed to, you know, running your game. Well, I think Marysville's going to get that this year based on what happened last year. Their, their successful sure. season, they they ran the table during the regular mm-hmm. season, beat up sure. on a lot of people. As they, as so they everybody's going to give Marysville their – As they come into their league schedule, I mean, they've won it two years in a row. Right. Almost three. And, I mean uh, – I think people are gonna. People are tired of seeing them up there, and they're yeah, gonna want to I, get I, I think, best shot. You know, they got big targets on their backs, and and and, and they got a ching in their armor with with New Albany handling them. You know, yeah. it, it took some of the mythology. You the know, mystique, it took some the of the Marysville uh, mystique, the mystique was, away. So, yeah. you know, it shows they're beatable, and I think I think teams are going to come after them this year. And the good the good news is, I think. Every game so far has been better than the last. Now, it was pretty easy after the start at New Albany, but they made strides with Lancaster, and they played a better team with Reynoldsburg and, and you know, won kind of a slugfest. And, and I think they keep growing up a little bit each game. You always want to be that much better in weeks seven, eight, nine than you were in one through four. And another reason that's going to be important is – I mean, I don't, I don't know how this season's going to end up. You know, Marysville could, could – Turn in, turn in, you know, to a eight, seven, eight, nine win team or whatever. But if they're not, if they're a five hundred team, the playoffs are still wide open again. Mm-hmm. So they could slide in there with a five hundred team, and they need to be <laughs> growing, you know, yeah. growing success on their success and their and their skill set, so that you you want to be playing your ball at the your best ball at the end of the season, as opposed to kind of Nah, let's just lay down and quit. This season's over. Well, with 16 teams in each region going into the playoffs again this year, we've discussed this. They'll slide into the playoffs with a five and five record, and if uh, you're you don't want to be a five and five I, team, no, even think, if your record says you're five. I think and five. Delaware got him with three wins last year. So I believe like that. so. And Delaware, who which did not impress me all that much when they scrimmaged Marysville early in the preseason. Again, early in the preseason, they're three and zero. So, who knows what's going to happen? But we know what isn't going to happen is Triad is not. 
going to go winless this year. Exactly. Um, <clears throat> and with that being said, the Cardinals uh, beat Cedarville last week, thirty-eight to fourteen. And um, we talked about this was a home game for the Cardinals. Uh, we talked about the fact that um, I think we were mentioning last last podcast about the fact that uh, the youth um, and the student population uh, in triad are allowed to come to these games free there were a ton of people because it was youth night there were a ton of people there one of the first uh updates that i gave uh came with a photo on facebook of just the stands packed Mm. and with that being said cedarville they traveled well they had they had fans on their side it wasn't wasn't overbearing but you know they brought their band in the whole night did they play we are the champions through their scoreboard like most people do is that their I, I wonder. I'm almost it, sure that is that the first one they've won since they since they uh, who try it at home since they've gotten that new. Uh, they won two games last year. I can't remember mm. were they. I can't remember home or not. But it's a nice facility. They need to win at home under, with that it's, facility. It's, it's it's a it's a beautiful well, facility. You know, and and to be honest, you know, I love my Cardinals, but um, I was a little nervous in the first drive. Uh, they went an easy three and out. Uh, had to punt the ball away. But with that being said, um, and I guess I should talk about my player of the game. My player of the game, um, Cam Thomas, uh, number 33, uh, plays linebacker. He had three picks in this game. And his first pick came on Cedarville's first drive. And it put the Cardinals back in, you know, <coughs> decent midfield position. Um, they later scored on that drive. Um, and, you know, in the first half, really, um, they put up 20 points. So um, they missed two extra points, which was kind of a, you know, sad to see. But at the end of the day, they were leading twenty to nothing. You um, see that in small schools, you see that a lot. Mm-hmm. It's hard to find a good quality kicker in smaller schools. And and you know, Cedarville was. It seemed like they couldn't get the ball rolling on offense uh, in the first half. Second half, they turned it around a little bit. They scored a touchdown in the third quarter. Scored a touchdown in the fourth quarter. But um, that was compared to Triad's additional uh, 18 points that they scored in both the third and the fourth quarter. Um, Caden Everhart ended with uh, 9 for 16, 153 passing yards, uh, two passing touchdowns. Um, Awesome Mitchell had another 100-yard game, um, uh, 19 carries for 129 yards, uh, one touchdown as well. Um, Caden Everhart also had a rushing touchdown. Chase Hecker, uh, also a rushing touchdown as well. Um, and I guess, like, you know, kind of the unsung heroes, in my opinion, from this uh, game are two wide receivers that I wanted to mention, uh, Braylon Feasel and Kane Bailey. Um, I ha- The photo that I used um, for uh, Saturday's newspaper was of Braylon Feasel coming up with this awesome, picturesque, one-handed catch um, it came down with it. It was a 27-yard play. Um, and, you know, Caden had a couple uh, passes that went for over 30 yards. I mean, that, that was a case where it was 27 yards. But he had a pass that went for 43, and he had a pass uh, later in the game that went for 32. Um, the 43-yard completion was to, if I'm remembering it correctly, um, was to uh, Kane Bailey. Uh, four receptions, 91 yards, uh, one touchdown as well. Hunter Thompson. This was this was another highlight of the game. You know, talk about being um, monstrous on defense with Cam Thomas. You know, taking the ball away three times. 
Um, the special teams also showed out because uh, Hunter Thompson took it straight to the house about 90 yards. Um, that was uh, later in the third quarter. So, um, I mean, it was, a, it was a great show out. I thought that uh, the Cardinals really put together what Dylan Weirs has been talking about this whole time of putting together a four-quarter football game. Um, with that being said, they were facing a similar team in Cedarville that had the same numbers as they did in terms of you know participants and players and whatnot. So I guess it was an even matchup. Um, but I was I was thrilled. I think I think everyone in the house was thrilled too. Um, I will I will say also that. Uh, Weirs doesn't want to like rest on their laurels for this game. Um, they know that they're going to have to win out from here on out. And I talked to him on the phone yesterday, and they're playing Catholic Central this upcoming week. Um, and one thing that they definitely have to look out for is uh, if we're looking at the, they're three and zero, right? Uh, yeah. Yes, yes, they are three and zero. Um, but but with that, um, Daniel Kamara. Uh, a running back for Alvin's brother, Alvin's brother. <laughs> uh, running back for Catholic Central leads the OHC with 523 rushing yards. In three games, wow! So they're going to have to really key in on that facet of the game. So um, has Spring- Springfield Catholic Central hasn't been good. They, in a they while, have well, they? the 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 bulk of this team, this year's team. Our juniors, who I saw play Fairbanks two years ago in the season opener, they were freshmen. Fairbanks won, but they started almost all sophomores and freshmen Mm. that year. Mm. Most of those guys are juniors now, and they had a nice season last year. I mean, Mm. those guys are athletic. Mm. Now, I've heard that they may have lost some guys transferred some of them may have transferred to Springfield High School I don't know I haven't I don't know anything uh, for certain about that but you could tell as freshmen even though they played like freshmen they're very athletic and I thought if this group sticks together they're gonna be something I mean I, I was talking to Dylan also about you know what to expect on the defensive side of the ball and he said that they're playmakers that's that's essentially what the what the um I guess assessment is on their defensive front. He didn't say much more than that, but um, you know, Triad has has some good representation in terms of um, like I was talking about before with the offensive and defensive leaders. Um, I mean, Cade Neverhart is cementing his fourth position uh, in terms of passing yards. He has 369 on the year. Um, awesome Mitchell is fifth in the OHC with 306 <coughs> rushing yards. Um, and my man, my defensive, my overall player of the game, Cam Thomas, is leading the OHC in four interceptions. Um, like I said, and the the taking the second spot, also from Catholic Central, Lonnie Brown, only has two. So um, there's definitely going to be – this is going to be a, a fun football game to watch. Um, I, I really think that from this game coming in – triad will have a little bit more pep in their step um i just i just hope like dylan talked about before that um they'll put four quarters of football in together yeah if they have home run hitters you know playmakers you have to you have to combat that with fundamental football you have to yeah play in your lane you have to fill you have to run to the ball otherwise 
one missed tackle and his touchdown. So. Yeah, I, I don't know if Triad's going to have the overall team speed that's going to be able to keep up with with Catholic Central or not. But uh, you know that a win like that that had to have been huge for Triad's emotional well being. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, like especially in front of a home crowd, like I'm talking about, and really like when when you when you were there at the game, it it you you really got the sense of like pride. Um, you know, and coming into it, like, it was really, I mean, like, the whole entire, like, bleachers were filled up. There were people bleeding into, like, the concession area and, you know, even into the common area, which was kind of like that middle part where the concessions and the bleachers kind of, like, come together. Um, and there's there's a lot to be happy for in, in Triad now. It's just a matter of really putting together those wins and... Don't sleep on Triad. I think Triad's really competitive with the youth that they have. Obviously, they have 13 seniors like we've been talking about in the past. And, yeah, that's you know going to definitely uh, hurt us all uh, to see them leave. But it's like, I don't know. I've, I really think Triad is in good hands in terms of uh, their competitive spirit. So. Well, we answered one question. Will Triad lose all their games this year? The answer was no. The next question is, is there anybody who can beat North Union? I'm not going to say that yet because no, I don't think there is anybody on their right. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to. I'm not going to say that. Uh, no, I'm going on a limb, Bob. They have been. They have until been. comes to town and playoff during they, playoff. They have I'm been, talking uh, regular season. <laughs> I'm talking regular season. They have been very formidable in the uh, in their first three weeks, uh, outscoring their opponents 105 to six. Uh, and for those of you that remember last week's podcast. There was no Max Payne at the game uh, Friday night because they held him to less than 30 yards rushing. So that's a pain. <laughs> so and uh, the, the the defense posted their second straight shutout and also uh, did not let the opponent uh, get 100 yards in offense. So so for two weeks in a row they've been under the 100 yard uh, and I think in week one the uh, Mary Pleasant was just barely over 100 yards. So the defense has really been the uh, uh, big big part of, of North Union so far this year, which it, which it sort of was last year also with all the shutouts that they had last year and everything. So uh, And uh, uh, Nick's been very happy with the defense and the way they've played. Uh, again, the offense came through enough times last week, but uh, – they had a lot of drives where they got stopped, uh, and not necessarily anything Danville did. That's who they. That's who they beat on Friday was Danville. What was the final? Twenty-eight to nothing. Um, they had drives. They got behind the chains because of penalties, because of lost yardage on plays, and and that kind of thing. So he still wants to. Uh, they've got to correct those things. He says, uh, Nick, and and my conversation with him this week. Uh, you know, that's something that they've got to get corrected because down the road uh, they can't be stopping themselves with drives and, 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 and that kind of thing. But but I tell you, when you have a defense like they've got right now, uh, that defense can cover up a lot of uh, problems on offense when they, when, you know, they, uh, when they do that. So um, this week uh, they're playing Kenton Ridge, and Kenton Ridge is a, a CBC um, – in the CBC, but they're in the other division. They're in the uh, uh, 
uh, Kenton Trail Division, and of course North Union's in the Mad River. So the next two weeks they play, they do crossover games. While they're not league games, they they are league games. They just don't count in the league standings. So, uh, and, and Nick talked about that. He says you have uh, you know the teams a little bit more than you do your your non-league teams. Uh, uh, but he says the, the the other side of that is they know you. So um, uh, they uh, – Kent Ridge comes in as a predominantly running team. Uh, they've run for 122 plays on offense through the run and only 23 through the pass. So they are definitely a, a run-first team. Uh, their leading rusher is a, a, a senior, Gavin Higgins. Uh, he's rushed for almost 400 yards through the thir- first three games. And uh, their passer is Brady King, who's thrown for almost 300 yards through the first uh, three games. But 150 of, that, 150 of that came last week in their victory. They are 2-1. They are and one. and uh, they lost the open to Mechanicsburg, which a lot of teams lose to Mechanicsburg. So that's not really a, uh, you know, a big, big shocker there. Uh, but then they've, uh, they beat... Uh, Tate Bethel and Benjamin Logan the last two weeks. So uh, not by big scores, but uh, they, they produce a, a lot of offense and, and everything. Uh, the thing about North Union's offense last week, uh, Owen Davis obviously is the, the key there for their running back. Uh, but Nolan Draper came in last, last week and almost rushed for 100 yards. And, and Nick said he, he really ran hard. He finished plays. Uh, so he gives them that, uh, you know, second uh, second person to worry about with their running game and, and everything. And Caden uh, uh, Lasseter had enough passing yards to, as, as you talked about with Marysville, they don't need him throwing 20 times. He went four of eight, just sort of like that, for you know, a little over 100 yards. And, and he threw one just really good pass to Lincoln Hare for a 53-yard touchdown. And I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit about that play a little bit. Uh, back in my younger days when I was covering football games, I loved doing games from the sidelines because you could hear the noise and the, and, and the thing like that. But in the, here in the past few years, I've, I've had some back issues and some knee issues that have not allowed me to walk the sidelines, so I spend most of my time in the press box. The, the pass to Lincoln Harrop, um, even though Northeast not way up in the press, it was high enough. He got separation with the two DBs, and you could see the separation happen even before the ball left Caden's hands. He was going to be open. If the pass was on target, it was going to be a touchdown. And that really was, you know, pretty cool to see that play get wide open uh, uh, for 53 yards, and, and uh, so it's a... Uh, I thought that story was going somewhere where you had a situation where you got pl- blasted <laughs> on the sidelines I, like all of us have. I, I, I took one down at Watkins Memorial one time, and, man, I'm telling you, if, if I'd have been my age now, it would have probably knocked me out. Well, I, I, uh, man, they... they I could say in my 30 good. years of, of reporting, over 30 years... Uh, I only got hit once. Oh, and, really? And so I've I've been pretty fortunate. And I you get back down here enough that time. <laughs> and I was able I was able to see it coming, so I was able to to kick my legs out a little bit, so I didn't get pinned. But yeah, I, I did get hit once. But of course, uh, Tim might remember I was at a practice at, at <laughs> yeah. Marysville, and I was standing in the spot that you were supposed to stand in, 
and I got plowed into by a <laughs> by a receiver. Uh, Bob and, was behind me, and I was yeah, I'm watching, and all of a sudden, Ashley, the trainer for for Marysville, starts running toward me. I'm thinking. I'm fine. What's wrong? What's going on here? And she runs right past me, and I look over to my left, and there's a shoe <laughs> on the ground. Bob's shoe? Thought, I thought, we got a fatality here? I mean, you see a shoe so laying that's, that's the Northeastern won the game last year 35 to nothing. Um, but Nick told me this week, he says, we don't worry about last year. Uh, he says it's a much better team this year, and – uh, they will need to uh, they will need to be at their best to to get a fourth win. Uh, I, I think they will get their fourth win, um, and 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 everything. And and uh, uh, hopefully uh, they're not looking to next week against Jonathan Alder. But uh, this week uh, they've got a, a key game and and. Uh, uh, as uh, they say, the best thing about being three and zero gives you a chance to be four. Well, I think we I think we asked last week if either one of if either North Union or Alder might be looking past the game and looking looking towards the neck, you know that clash of Fairbanks and North Union after last year's kind of big game. And uh, I think if, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't we think North Union might look past and Danville? Danville was kind of a competent opponent stand there, and yeah, it did. as it turns out, it wasn't. No. It wasn't no. North Union. Uh, I'll talk about Jonathan Alder in a few minutes. <laughs> but, uh, uh, swing over to Fairbanks. Yeah, Patrick Cotter has always told me that he thinks that the Ohio Heritage Conference is one of the better smaller school conferences for football in the state of Ohio, and Fairbanks and Southeastern both went into last week's game. With two and zero records, and uh, Southeastern won the game. I mean, they just they they beat Fairbanks, uh, but Fairbanks didn't give up. They they were down twenty to six, came back, scored a touchdown, got the extra point, pulled it within seven. They tried an onside kick very late in the game, which if they had been able to recover, that might have been able to. Who knows? Changed the complexion of the game later on. Could have led to maybe going into overtime. But but that's all water under the bridge. They Fairbanks has got to regroup, and they're they're hosting uh, Greenview, another Ohio Heritage Conference team, and they're going to be somewhat like Hillier Bradley. They'll run the spread offense, but they want to run the ball out of it. Uh, Patrick was telling me they're going to see some ISO and some jet sweep like you would out of a wing T team. You know, there are more teams doing that now with the spread where they're actually – they're not a spread team, but you think that they, they do run the ball a lot yeah. out of that. And Greenview's top ball carries are quarterbacks, so, you know, the ball gets in his hands and, and he makes them go. So he, they run that spread just to spread that defense out and right. let him see the lanes. Right. Uh, less less design play calling as opposed to let's zone block this thing and you go over there and you find a crease and, and make something happen. They call it a spread offense, but really that you could call it spread Defense type of thing right. because you right. want to create. It's gaps like having wide. Your... Stand, it's like having wide right. uh, mm-hmm. wide splits for your offensive line, and you just do that to kind of spread and, them and, out. And, a little and bit. it helps with your blocking a little bit. Is is you don't 
you just sort of got to steer them. You have to steer them away. You have to get in the lane and yeah. turn them, yeah. and then let your ball but, and, slide and through to, it. To get them on the ground, you don't really need to do that. You just yeah. need to get that lane opened <sighs> up. And well, Greenview's quarterback can throw. I mean, he's got a good arm, but that's not what they build their offense around. It's just they want to move the ball on the ground and, and move the sticks that way. Uh, they've got a very good offensive line. Patrick says, we're going to have to cover the gaps and get to their ball carriers. But, yeah, Fairbanks have been playing pretty good defense. You know, the – they're only giving up a little under seven points a game. Now, you know, Southeastern scored 20. But uh, uh, teams haven't been able to run on Fairbanks that much. They're only average. Teams are only averaging 96 yards rushing against them now. I'm surprised you know. they had – I mean, other than the late score, that they only had one score through three quarters. That's – their yes. offense has been yes. very well. Southeastern shut them down, which, you know, that can happen on any given – night you, you line up or, uh, against somebody uh, and again opposing defenses going up against Marysville they're like the defenses that Marysville sees they're going to walk linebackers up they want to stop sure. the running game uh, Fairbanks hasn't shown an overwhelming need to throw the ball yet this year because they've got uh, the Ray brothers, the Green brothers, Ethan Kaisick, and all pick up yardage on the ground. While quarterback A.J. Lannon, he he did more uh, for the team with his legs than he did passing the ball last week. He ran in both touchdowns for Fairbanks. Um, I, I'm wondering if Fairbanks will need to add maybe a little bit more of a passing game to their offensive package if more teams start crowding and try to shut down their running game. But uh, Fairbanks' offensive line has done a pretty good job this year, like we've talked before. There are no what I call super name stars on that offensive line, guys that are garnering a lot of collegiate attention. They've just got some guys who are very solid and they've done a good job of getting the ground game going. Uh, I asked Patrick when I talked to him on Monday what was the team's reaction coming in. They practiced on Labor Day, and what was their reaction to losing their first game of the year after two losses? And, you know, he said one loss doesn't make a season. He said the guys came back for practice on Monday. They had a good practice. He says they're they're dialing in on getting ready for Greenview. They you know they that bad taste of losing is still in their mouths, but they want to get that <coughs> washed away by beating Greenview. But it, it's not going to be an easy game. He he doesn't feel like any uh, conference game on their schedule is going to be that easy because he says we all we all respect each other, but we all love to beat each other. And that's a sign of a good overall conference when you've got those kind of rivalries and there's a mutual respect, but it makes your day when you can beat a, a conference team. And, and But I think they'll get back on the winning track this year. It's at home. Um, Brogan Green's getting back to health. Uh, he gets through the line and – 
nobody's going to stop him. You know, at some point, though, to get that pressure off, like you talk about the nine guys walking up, and Fairbanks is going to have to pass when they don't necessarily want to pass. And what I mean by that yeah, is we're gonna have outside to. of third and long. Mm-hmm. You know, for as little as Marysville passes clearly – like I said, the one pass to Nasir Smith that was dropped was on second down. Mm-hmm. Marysville's been thrown on first down quite a bit. You've got to start practice. Even you've got to make it not out of necessity. You've got to mm-hmm. practice it. You've got to put it on film for other teams yeah. and show them we will throw on first down. We can complete passes on first down. You can't just walk everybody up and then back off when it's third and long. You know they're gonna have to they're gonna have to do mix that up. And yeah, really if you, that. if you can give anything you can do to give the team you're playing or the teams that are you're gonna be seeing in the ensuing weeks, give them something else to think about. That's that's only going to help you. I mean, Marysville, or Marysville, uh, Fairbanks has got too many weapons in those back, that backfield. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, you answered the question that I was gonna bring up was coming off two wins. How does how does the team react to? The, the loss and and getting back uh, on track and and uh, you got to have short memory I mean that's what it's got to be well you know Patrick from when he coached at Elgin I mean he won't let kids get down on themselves he's just that Pied Piper type of personality that is very positive around the the guys and Fairbanks kids don't give up that onside kick that they tried. <coughs> Late last week against Southeastern, that's another example. You may beat a Fairbanks team, but they're not—they're not, they're not going to lay down for you in, in any sport. I've noticed that in all the years I've—I've I've covered Fairbanks teams. There, there's there's no quit to Fairbanks kids, and uh, I think that may prove to be very beneficial for them on Friday night when they play Greenview. Speaking of. Um... Fairbanks kids. Uh, I noticed someone on the sideline for Ohio State, Mr. Ryordan Stafford, looked good in that number 43 uniform. So I'm sure that the kids who played with him last year are uh, looking up to someone like that to kind of strive to be, I guess. Well, we put it off long enough. Let's talk a little bit about the Jonathan Alder game that I saw last week against Bloom Carroll. God, this sounds like a horror. <laughs> it's like a horror podcast. It's like, I, I, I'm having a moment. Like a I'm having a moment put of silence here. In your coffee <laughs> well, let's put it this Pappy way. Tells you a story about the haunted. Let's put it the haunted Let's put it to you this way. It's been so long. I can't remember when I last saw a Jonathan Alder football team get. Okay, let's just say a manhandled by another team like Bloom Carroll did. Bloom Carroll's a good football team. But Jonathan Alder just could not do anything against them. They couldn't move the ball. They couldn't stop the ball. Result was a 35 to nothing loss. And, you know, I, I was driving. Which to me, Alder scoring zero points is almost more of the story than giving up 35. And, you know, I saw that. I saw 35. Well, giving up 35, lost. that was big, too, because Alder doesn't give up that many points usually. And I was driving back to the office from the game, and I was thinking, how am I going to write this up? Marysville took it like that in the first game of the season. Yeah. But that's the first game of the season. You know, yeah. Alder was looking pretty good. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think we all thought, well, maybe Alder's got that, that thing back to where – 
you know, those yeah. older teams of old that were, you know, two, three playoff win. So I'm driving on 736, coming back to Marysville, and I'm thinking, how am I going to write this story? And it, it, I remember back to when I was a young child riding around the old family station wagon with my father. It was always country music, okay? And I don't know who sang the song or what even this title of the song was, but the key note line of that song was, I would have wrote you a letter, but I couldn't spell and that's all I've got to say. <laughs> and, you know, I really <laughs> wanted to pray. I would have wrote you a story, but I couldn't spell and that's all I got to say. But I didn't want to do that. Uh, Alder's still going to win their share of football games this year. They just ran into a buzzsaw in, in Bloom Carroll. Bloom Carroll is going to beat up on a lot of people this year. But uh, they just overpowered Jonathan Alder. There, there's nothing else you can say. Cameron Jewell could not get any traction going running. Uh, Doug Nussbaum at times when he went out to pass he was he was trying to throw the ball on the fly that didn't work they had a nice back uh, Armantrout I believe I can't remember his first name but they had a back by the name of Armantrout who just they had some holes open for them uh, it's been a long time since I've seen Jonathan Alder beaten off the ball on both sides of the ball that badly. And uh, they, they hopefully they had some good practices this week and shored some things up. And they're at home this week against uh, Northwestern. Jonathan Alder's playing Northwestern this week. I, I think they can get back on that, their feet. With that them. is, you know, that's a situation where uh, maybe the loss is good. Maybe. You don't want a loss. You, you really, I mean, obviously, a close you don't. loss sometimes can light a fire. Boy, when you get when you get bundled up and mailed home to mom, a loss like thirty-five to nothing. There's not a lot of nitpicking. Well, boy, if we'd have just done this, this one player, a twenty-four to twenty loss or something like that, coaches will go back and say, "Boy, why didn't I?" So that's why I'm saying, you know. Uh, you don't playing. dwell. You don't dwell so much, maybe, on a loss like that, especially if you if you feel your team is good. Thirty-five nothing. That was just a trip to the woodshed. But the know. problem becomes, for example, Marysville gets into the playoffs this year and sees New Albany in the first round. There wasn't much they could do against New Albany, and you got to think, well, if you're close and you make a couple of coaching changes or you make a game plan change, maybe that outcome's different. If you run into that team again, you got to remember how you just got physically dominated and couldn't do anything. And it's just, you know, I, I odds are you'll never see that team again. You won't play them again in the playoffs. But, you know, that's what I always think about is if you have to – with the playoffs so open now, so many teams getting in, if you happen to have to see that team again, you've got the memory of just getting obliterated in your mind where you really couldn't do anything. There was not, not much positive to build on. That's why the coaches make the big money for that. Uh, I guess. Kind of they avoid them in bracketology, make sure they don't <laughs> they don't have to face those teams until the very end. Well, Jonathan Alder is not the only team that Bloom Carroll is going to do that to this year. Well, I think this brings us to the point where we're announcing our players of the week. Uh, we've alluded to some of them. Uh, earlier today, uh, Brady Seeger from Marysville. Yeah, Brady Seeger. He, he, two I think he nice touchdown best. passes. 
Should have been three. Should have been nice three. Strides. But, you know, yeah, made some hey, nice strides. Sometimes you hit the receiver yeah, in the wrong place. His hands, okay. and it happens. The receiver's not getting the receiver's yeah. not getting the player of the yeah. game. He is for no. the nice throws. Uh, Fairbanks quarterback AJ Landon. He scored both their touchdowns. Uh, Dalton Wilson. Uh, senior defensive lineman for North Union. He had eight tackles. I think you were telling nine tackles. Nine, nine tackles. Tack- nine two, ta- two sacks. Two sacks. Um, we already talked about Cam Thomas with his three interceptions. Player of the game for Triad. Uh, player of the game for Jonathan Alder is Bloom Carroll. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, the kick returner. He had several nice <laughs> returns. Now Mason, Got a lot of work. Mason Wolford, who's a senior, he plays linebacker DB. He was in on several tackles, a number of tackles, as a matter of fact. But his was the only name that was really being mentioned. So, well, good to see defensive players got uh, yeah, players of the week. Well, you know, and that's sometimes it's hard. Uh, Bob, it's probably easier for you sitting up in the stands, but I know when you watch the game through a camera lens, sometimes it's hard to get that perspective yeah. like that when you're so it zoomed is. in on the oh, ball. Oh, there's no doubt about it. You know, that's what people ask me. Well, how's the line playing? And like early on in the season or things like individual people, it's really hard to focus on those guys because you just following the ball nonstop, yeah. so you don't get that. Well, being uh, – and uh, it does help being up a little oh, higher, sure. you know, and, 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 you know, seeing some things open up. And because uh, uh, I know I, when I used to do the games uh, at Ohio State, of course, the, the press box at Ohio State is like mile high. But the good thing of it is, is, boy, you can just see everything happening right there in front of you. I mean, you can see the things open up and, I, I you know uh, – but if I had my druthers and I was physically able to do it, where I, I would still much rather be on the sidelines because the, yeah. the sound is so much yeah. different on the sideline. All right. Well, that's going to be the show for this week. Thank you guys for all the good information, and thanks to everyone out there for listening. If you like what you hear, please be sure and subscribe to the Marysville Journal Tribune podcast pages. You can find us on Apple Podcast, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many other places where podcasts are available. So be sure to tune into the show next week uh, and reach out to us. Let us know what you enjoy about the show, maybe what you would like to hear more of. Uh, we always appreciate the feedback and, and whatever can help keep this conversation going. So be sure to tune into the show next week, and we'll see you on Thursday.